Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky, and my co-host is Jamie Wagner. Jamie, good to be back with you again today. We continue our streak of people who have impacted our lives that we believe have incredible stories and insight into what it means to perform at a high level. Who are we going to be talking to today? Really good friend of ours, somebody we spend a lot of time with, David Larson, um, an ear, nose, and throat surgical resident at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, which is one of the elite premier institutions in the world. Um, and he's learning from the best there is. And he is one of the most thoughtful people in my life. And he consistently challenges me to be better and not always in the rah, rah, like, Hey, you can do it sort of way. He challenges me to, to look at some of the hard stuff. And he does that in this conversation in a, in a amazing way. John, you working in mental health, you understand when you can kind of tap into these personal struggles how it can unlock different pieces of your performance. Like, where have you seen that? How do you make sense of all that? I relate, especially with David, because he, he and I have a similar personality in how we go about approaching life, which is very much introspective. When we get to the real stuff deep down internal that most people don't want to talk about, and it's hard to talk about that gives us a freedom then to perform in ways that we never thought possible. And we get stuck in our head. We get caught on this loop of unconscious self-talk or this is how it always works. So this is how I always do it. And so we aren't willing to acknowledge it because we think that's the thing that helps it go well. When you're hard on yourself for your, unwilling to say like, this is a problem. You're ignoring the door to better. And David refuses to do that in our relationships, but it's clear that that's helped him get to this place in his life. Also where he's an exceptional surgeon. You know, you mentioned it, but he refuses to do that in his life. And those of us who are fortunate enough to be close enough to him, he also does that for us. He refuses to let us take the easy way out and not really explore some of the difficult things that impact our lives. And what's interesting is in the conversation we have, he acknowledges some of the places where he does maybe ignore the things that he could get better at and wants to challenge those things. And he's very aware of where he is currently and where he wants to go. That's something we can all learn from. David Larson. You were a former athlete at a very high level. As a former athlete, anything that you maybe learned as an athlete or developed as an athlete that you've now brought into your work as a surgeon? Yeah, the one thing that I think that I took out of being an athlete, and I remember sharing this at senior share night everybody had an opportunity to like 
give their 10 cents over the course of 10 minutes to the rest of the team. And most people give some sort of encouraging, uplifting talk. I told everyone that, that I didn't do as good of a job as I thought I could have done as an athlete. And I told everyone that, that I spent a lot of time, uh, frankly, like being sort of lazy and that I spent a lot of time kind of avoiding, avoiding engaging with simple, hard, consistent aspects of what, what it takes to be an athlete. And I think the words that I used at the time were, I didn't want to try a hundred percent because when you try 100% at something and then you fail, you fail 100% and all of you fails. And maybe then maybe even like you are a failure if you actually do this as good as you can and then you fail. I could have heard like a pin drop when I was talking to everyone. And uh, I even felt the need to like mumble through some sort of like, ah, sorry, this was kind of a downer tonight, guys. But uh, afterwards, like some people came up to me and gave me some feedback of just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I actually do this like every day with track and with the rest of my life. I'm glad that people were willing to come up and give you that feedback. Mm -hmm. Because I think the reality is we all struggle with that every day. It's whether we're willing to admit it or not. You know, there, there is a battle that says, are we willing to put ourselves out there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at risk of failing? Yep. How has that carried forward or has that carried forward mm -hmm. and impacted how you perform or how you live now as an adult, a surgeon, a father, all those mm -hmm. roles that you play? I think that I have been a bit of a roller coaster in terms of doing it better at some times and doing it worse at other times. I guess being better or worse, being like truly trying and engaging with something versus in a self-protective way, like holding back. Some examples that pop out to me are one of the big tests we have to take during medical school. I felt like I actually like did that 100%. And it was a super important test for getting into whatever residency training you want to get into. And I literally spent six months of medical school sort of shrugging off the rest of medical school and only focusing on this test and was able to get to the end of studying for that and be like, I did this as good as I can. And if I get as not a good a score as I wanted to, I'm going to feel pretty good about it anyways. So I, I ended up doing good and I felt even better about that. But so but, taking that to the next level, like had you done that as an athlete and not, you know, you're an all American anyway, but had you given a hundred percent and not won a national championship or still just been an all American, don't you think the same would have been true? Maybe that's the takeaway here is that it's okay that I didn't achieve the outcome I thought I was going to get because I put a hundred percent towards it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that I would have felt better retrospectively about my time as a track and field athlete had I engaged a hundred percent with the sport and the skill, even if I didn't have as much success, it feels cool. Like it feels cool. Like that I was 
an all-American pole vaulter. But every time I talk, every time I mention it in the back of my mind, I say, but I didn't really like, it, this sounds like very cocky. It's, and I'd be like, don't even want to say it because it sounds cocky, but I don't even care. I don't even care that I was an all-American pole vaulter. Like, I, don't, I don't really, I don't really care. Like anybody that knows you knows that this is not coming from a cocky place. You're one of the more, you have a tremendous amount of humility about most things. I think you do have a tremendous amount of confidence also though. And I think that's when you look back at it, you say, I was confident in what my body could do. Maybe I wish I'd have found out what the whole of me could do, you know? And Yeah. That's a, that's a more positive way of, of saying that. <laughs> Appreciate that, Jamie. I, I have the same sort of regrets. I, you know, John knows fully well. The irony of this thing is that I have become a strength and conditioning advocate and a someone who is really excited about it as a coach. But as an as an athlete, I was not uh, super committed to the strength and conditioning portion of my craft. And I look back and go, "Man, what if?" You know. Actually, but I don't. don't don't let don't let Jamie fool you though. Don't ever try to wrestle. Don't ever try to pick a fight or wrestle Jamie just for play or for fun. It will not go well. A lot of even, practice. Even yeah. for John, who's it's true, much bigger and much stronger. But I look at it and I go, you know, what could have been? Do I really care? I not really. Like I'm very pleased with and I think you feel the same way. Like we're not pining for those days any longer to go back and do it again. But now in different parts of my life, I go, I'm not going to make the same mistake. I'm not going to make this half-hearted effort. Um, even if I'm having success, I want to do it. I want to find out what my best actually is. Um, yeah. And I think that this isn't taking it to the next level. This is like taking it a half level back from what you just said of I don't often feel that way of what you just said of like, of like, I don't want to make the same mis I don't want to make the same mistake again. I am going to do a hundred percent. I don't say that to myself very much, but I think the half, the half step that I do take is I realize that I'm feeling like I don't want to try a hundred percent at this. And I think that's maybe it's only a half step, but that's probably the most important step. Can you explain how you are able to walk in to surgery and feel comfortable doing it because to me it feels like I would have all this other stuff running through my head and to be able to focus enough on the individual you're working with to feel confident that you're going to perform well with such high stakes and yet you have to be a resident that's learning, a dad, a husband. How do you manage that? Like what mental skills do you use to get you through that process? Yeah, I think that there is, I don't know how you would want to say it the best, but uh, compartmentalizing or uh, kind of fracturing or structuring thoughts up in, in certain ways. Can you give us an example of that? Yeah. So maybe there's something in left, like two, two different things that are happening. So the first being 
we really, we learned like very, very early, maybe by like necessity to um, whatever inner thoughts uh, or uh, struggles, doubts, or maybe even like positive things of like, I'm learning and I'm getting better at this and things are going well. Or maybe it's, I had a really terrible time at home today and I don't, I was not a very good dad. I was not a very good husband or maybe I was just not a very good person to myself and I feel, feel kind of terrible. And I walk into the hospital and I have to round and take care of these patients and they need me to be a certain thing for them. And we are very good at as doctors of just taking everything that is otherwise going on in our lives and just leaving it in our locker room. Like when you put on your white coat and then you just become a doctor wearing a white coat and then you can just be, uh, you can just be confident. You can be whoever you need to be for this person. I guess what I'm hearing you say is that those are skills that you are just forced to learn to compartmentalize, become the expert, exhale on your way in, be what you need to be in that moment. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's so difficult for, or do you think it's difficult to reverse that process when you hang up the white coat and now you're going home? Yeah. What makes it potentially difficult when you reverse that and you try to apply that same skill? Yeah, I, I think that you've known me long enough. And Jamie, you've known me long enough to know that the reverse, the reverse order is way harder taking off of taking off the white coat or going out of the operating room and remembering, okay, now I have to go back to uh, the real world of my two kids and my wife who have been uh, for the most part by themselves at home. I have to go back to myself. I have to go back to the things that I maybe haven't gotten done, the disorganized manner of the rest of my life that I've felt fine leaving disorganized because I'm a surgeon. I'm at the Mayo Clinic. I'm doing important things. I don't have to think about those other things right now because I'm doing important things at work. I think it's more than even just feeling like it's important, you know? there's been a lot of times in my life where if I'm good at something that gets the attention because it makes me feel good walking out of it. You know, like I, I certainly understand what you're saying. What you're saying, I'm helping people. I'm saving lives. I'm it's a, it's an important work, but I think even more than that for all of us who just do things that we're good at, it can be intoxicating. It can be a drug in some ways, or it's like, I'm good at this thing here and I want it pay attention to it because it feels good going home and being dad or being a husband. I don't know that I'm always good at that. And there's a lot that I'm still learning and it's hard. Uh, To what extent do you see that with your peers that I'm good here becoming a, a hang up or maybe for you? I think for doctors in general, um, and maybe surgeons in general, they're the cliche or like everyone knows that doctors work a lot. Surgeons are super busy. Residents are really, really busy. That's the cliche story. And I think that on one hand, yeah, there's just a lot of work to be done and there's a lot of learning to be done. And that's, and that's true. 
but I think that it ends up being this snowball down into this is this is the only thing that I feel good at um, where some of them spend uh, a lot more time at work than maybe even they need to uh, where they that's where they feel comfortable hanging out they feel good at what they do there and so they're going to stay there David in working with our clients we use a process called deliberate practice one of the key components to that is feedback. Mm -hmm. I know that you get feedback about your performance as a doctor, mm -hmm. but you know, are there times where you get feedback around some My, of those things where you're trying to, yeah. Yeah. Um, feedback as a doctor, feedback as a surgeon is important. And it's, um, most of the time it is about surface or objective sorts of things in terms of how well did you perform a level two to four neck dissection and what areas of the procedure did you slow down and take, you know, three or four moves to do one part instead of doing it in one to two moves. Like, so like that sort of objective feedback is, is important, but it's also very easy. Um, the analogy maybe for, I don't know, you guys are football coaches would be like, like when you, when you go to catch a football, you should hold your hands like this instead of holding your hands like that. That's that sort of feedback is, is really easy. It's also very superficial. It's very, very easy and it's very easy to do. And it's very easy for that to be all the self-reflection um, that you do, but actually like, what you actually want is feedback about how well are you actually going through this process as a person and how well are you actually like thinking about what you're doing when you're doing it. So I'm, I'm reminded of a concept when I worked for Sanford health, we went through a process where we brought in some consultants. The whole concept was around, Hey, you need to be able to give feedback and build processes around, technical skills, but also, and maybe even more importantly, the adaptive skills that you need to be able to do things. So what I hear you saying is you get a lot of feedback on the technical, how did I actually perform this surgery, mm -hmm. this procedure, this mm -hmm. thing that I'm trying to do in, in the OR or the clinic or wherever. And maybe not as much feedback around, like you said, how are you going through this as a person? How are you managing the adaptive mm -hmm. side of what is required of you yeah. as a surgeon? Yeah. It's hard enough to get technical feedback sometimes. Why do you, why do you think that is? I think that in general, like the, the optimist, the optimistic view is like everyone's nice and everyone wants to be nice, especially in Minnesota. Right. Everyone wants to be nice. No one wants to be critical of people. Um, and so people just, you know, yeah, oh, that was great. Like, yeah, you're doing, you're doing fine. Which is not super helpful um, because it gives no clarity. Is it okay to say that I've read Brene Brown books before? Absolutely. She's awesome. You can quote whoever, you can throw whatever resources in here you want. Yeah, 
I was, I've been reading slash skimming through a leadership book and she said, she says as a leader, um, providing feedback and instruction for people, clarity is kindness or it's something like that. Being clear for people is kind actually being unclear in the name of being nice and not wanting to offend, offend people is actually very unkind because it, it doesn't provide people any opportunity to notice things that could or should be changed. And I would go one farther as a leader. I, I think it's cowardice in some ways. It's, it's the easy way out. It's the way to say, well, in the sake of being kind, in the sake of being nice, I will withhold so that we don't have a conflict. And what I hear you saying in a lot of ways is that you get really specific feedback about the technical skill and it's improved your practice, even if it wasn't easy to hear. It's improved your skill as a surgeon. But in some ways, that vulnerability, that willingness to be courageous and say, this thing is hard on me as a human being doesn't exist as readily in the medical field as the technical skill. And you're talking about technical skill being hard to get feedback on just generally in life because people are too nice. What I hear is that's kind of happening around the water cooler. Yes, it's easy to complain, but in some ways it's, it's very difficult to be courageous to take that next step and say, I want to be vulnerable with you. Like this actually challenges me to my core because I can't separate what is work, what is home, what is all these other things. Like being able to have those type of conversations is a totally different world. I think, you know, yeah. and, and it opens the door to a whole nother level of performance. Maybe I'm wrong in that, but that's my, inter my experience. No, you're so you're very right. It, probably does come, there's probably a lot to be said about uh, courage and vulnerability in a lot of this stuff. And it comes back to, I think I said earlier that being a surgeon or being a doctor and maybe especially being a surgical resident um, or other medical trainee, you have to portray yourself as being courageous and confident at baseline like you you have to do that or you you're not even going to you may not get into medical school you may not then you're not going to get into a surgical residency or you're not going to progress through a surgical residency because at every level that you advance like <laughs> there's more demand on you to be confident and be good and look like you're good or else you won't advance um, because you won't have the opportunities otherwise. The people like myself or the people who are surgeons are self-selected as people who are not good at being vulnerable and people who are not good at saying, hey, you know what? This is what I experience as a surgeon every single day. And these are the things that are hard for me to do as a surgeon. These are things that are hard for me to do as a physician. Uh, these are hard things that I, it's hard for me to be a, a mother. It's hard for me to be um, a parent. And David, how are you doing with those things? 
and what can I help you with? Like those are, those conversations are few and far between. To the field's detriment. Yeah, I think. Mark. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. Uh, to be fair to doctors everywhere, like I don't think that it's unique to us. I think maybe it manifests itself in some more specific ways for us sometimes, but it's the same thing that happens with everybody, right? Everybody, every profession, every relationship, you know, I mean, no, no one wants to talk. No one wants to talk about it. And then even if you are at a place where you've been doing, doing a lot of your own self work and like realizing that this, these are things that you want to be doing and things that you want to be changing in your life you get to a place of like, oh, I, I need to like find somebody who I can talk to about this and get some guidance. And it's hard to find that. I think like one of our big points on all of this stuff is that it's not just sports. It's not just business. It's not just medicine. It's not just, it's relationships. It's, it's everything. This stuff that we're talking about when you get good at it, when you get better at it, when you improve at it, when you can take it from subconscious and put it in the foreground and you can make change and make improvement, it improves every part of your life. And one of the things that I'm super thankful for John about, for you, David, about being a close friend of ours is the capacity for us to have these vulnerable conversations because it grows me as a human being. Then it makes me better in my job. It makes me better with my wife. It makes me better with my daughter. And as a result, I'm more comfortable coming back to you guys to do it again. And that's this, you know, I think it's virtuous cycle, vicious cycle, you know, in some ways when you do it and you get positive feedback and a positive result, you're more willing to try again. And I think, you know, one of the challenges, you know, as a teacher in mental health, as a surgeon, we don't get a lot of opportunities to take that first step towards being vulnerable. And as a result, we end up in more vicious circle than we do virtuous. And we are afraid or we lack courage to take the step again because we don't ever take the step the first time. David, what advice would you have to your fellow doctors or our listeners about how to take care of themselves to be able to perform at their best. I think that becoming aware of the things that you really don't want to talk about and that are really impacting your life and finding people to talk to, to talk to about those things is the most important thing that you can do. If that's, if that's technical skills, great. If that's a little bit more than that, you know, for feedback in that way. Great. Um, but finding friends to talk to about things, but there's, I mean, there's even, there's a lot of stuff that I don't even talk to you guys about that just because I feel that it's not, it's not your burden to talk to me about those things specifically for me around aspects of mental health that my wife shouldn't be my counselor. My friends shouldn't be my counselor like my attending surgeon uh, shouldn't be my counselor. Um, and for somebody to be able to speak to you in a objective outsider standpoint of this is probably what's going on in your mind. And here are things that we can start doing 
to build new habits for the way that your mind works. And whether that's anxiety that I never, that I never had before I became a doctor or that's depression that I've had since I was a teenager or, or that's a completely disorganized mind and a completely disorganized life that has little concept of time and prioritization that I've probably had forever. You need to talk, I need to talk to somebody about that on a regular basis because it helps me get better at it. At the end of every podcast or, you know, at the end of our discussions with teams or presentations with teams, we generally try to leave them with the challenge of how do you continuously engage in this process? Understand where you're at, even if you're doing well, how can you continue to embrace continuous improvement, you know, and getting better, taking a step or a half step, you know, you, you said half step, but the reality is that's your step. I would encourage you not to diminish it in that way. You know, it's, it's your step. We talk about that all the time too, where it's like, it's, we're all in this process. We all engage with this stuff, but it looks different, but whatever your step is your step. So continue to engage with that. Challenge yourself every day to get a little bit better. And it might be going, feel like you're going backwards sometimes, but ultimately you're building toward how you, how you, an intentional life and how you want to live. David, we certainly appreciated having you a lot of wisdom in, in the things that you shared and appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Thanks uh, for uh, me deeply, David. I, I think John has a little bit better understanding of some of the stuff that you shared right there at the end than I do. And I know we've had those conversations, but to be that transparent is really valuable. And I think it leads as a challenge to others to say, you know, if you need sometimes find a coach, somebody to talk to that can lead you is huge. Be vulnerable enough to know that you need it. And uh, we all need a little help and a little push in the right direction. So thanks for sharing that. David challenges us to live eyes up, to seek out counsel help if necessary and that that takes tremendous courage and the willingness to be vulnerable it's not easy to say help me but it is important and as always live eyes up